if you know me, uh, if you know anything about me, you know that like this thing that I really hate to do uh, is to disappoint people. Uh, and you're like, well, why are you so good at it? Um, I really, really, really just do not like disappointing people. Uh, and I've always been this way. Ever, ask my parents. Ever since I was a little guy, I just I don't like to disappoint people. And, and so when I was in elementary school, I tried very hard to get good grades because I wanted to make my parents proud. I didn't want to disappoint them. Uh, I wanted to make my teachers proud. I didn't want to disappoint them. And so I, I tried really hard in school not to disappoint uh, my teachers or my parents. Or <coughs> when I was in high school and I had, uh, was an actor and I was in school plays and such, I, I tried very hard to, to learn my lines and to, to memorize my lines and to do the very best that I could. I didn't want to disappoint my director. Um, I, I remember um, when I was doing, uh, in my senior year of high school, I had the lead role in The Music Man. I play, played Professor Harold Hill, and uh, I remember being at one rehearsal, uh, getting close to the show, maybe three, four weeks out from the show, and I didn't have all my lines memorized. And I just remember the disappointment in, in my director's voice as she let me know that it was unacceptable, that I did not have my lines memorized. I went home and memorized them immediately after I stormed off stage in embarrassment. <coughs> Excuse me, <coughs> fighting a cold. I, I, I kind of have like a, a Superman complex. Superman is my favorite superhero, and, and I and I have this kind of Superman complex of, I want to have all the answers. I, I want to have uh, all the answers when and somebody comes to me with a question. I don't want to disappoint them by saying I don't know, or I I I just I'm not sure. I I want to have all the answers. I, I want to be the hero. I want to be the superhero. I want to save the day. And so I have this Superman complex. And <coughs> excuse me, I, I don't want to be human. I don't like being human. And you're like, well, you're stuck. I want to be superhuman. I, I want to be more than human. I, I, I want to have all the answers. I don't want to disappoint anyone. I, I especially don't want to disappoint God. And, and I don't know about you, but I know that a lot of times I feel like a failure. A lot of times I feel like I'm disappointing God over and over and over again. As, as a Christian, I, I feel like uh, I, I disappoint God a lot, that I, I don't uh, have a, a, a devotional life that is, that is really where it should be. My, my prayer life isn't where it should be. That I don't read my Bible enough, as though one could possibly read the Bible enough. <coughs> I, I, I don't measure up as a Christian. And I, I don't, <clears throat> I, I just don't measure up. And so I feel like I'm a great big disappointment to God as a Christian. And, and I feel as, a, as I'm, a, I'm a great big disappointment to God as a, as a pastor. Uh, I was at Moody Bible Institute this week. That's why I'm sick. Uh, I was around a thousand pastors from around the world. I'm praying that I don't have Ebola. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 I'm, I just, I, I went to this conference and I was learning all kinds of cool things, and I heard great preaching, which is just does great things for the ego, um, to hear other preachers do what you do and do it so much better. Um, but I, I heard great preaching, and I, I got to attend good workshops, and it was very encouraging. But at the same time, it was very convicting that it, I could be doing more. I could be doing so much more. 
And, and so I, I left this conference kind of on top of the world and kind of like, man, I, I love what I do. I love to get to do what I do. And, and I love that I, I get this opportunity each week to stand up and proclaim God's word. I love this. But at the same time, I couldn't help but thinking, I have so much more to do. And, and I feel like such a disappointment to God. I feel like I disappoint God. I feel like I disappoint my church. I feel like I disappoint my family. I feel like I disappoint, I mean, my family at home. Uh, I can spend more time with my son. I can be, spend more time with my wife. I can be more patient with situations. I can be more patient with the clock. I feel like a disappointment. And maybe you do too. Maybe you feel like a disappointment in your life. Maybe you feel like there's people that you just, you let them down too much. That you don't measure up to their expectations of you. <coughs> Thank you. This is my dad. He looks up here and goes, my son needs a glass of water. He goes and gets one for me. Thank you so much. That's for my mother. She's the one who loves me. Um. No, no, no. So, perhaps you feel like a big disappointment in your life. And, and, and maybe you feel like you're letting God down. Maybe you feel like you're letting your family down. Maybe you feel like you're letting other people down, your coworkers, your employer, your church. Maybe you feel like a disappointment in your life. Or maybe, maybe you don't feel like a disappointment, but maybe you've been disappointed in someone else. How many of you have ever felt disappointment in someone You've been disappointed in your life. Okay, I want you to, I got another question for you. I want you to close your eyes for just a minute. I want you to raise your hand if you have ever felt disappointed in God. If you've ever felt disappointed in God, raise your hand. Now, and don't worry about it. You can, you can do this. God's not going to smite you in your new, brand new chair. Okay, your brand new comfy chair. He's not going to smite you there. All right, go ahead and put your hands down and open your eyes. You may be thinking to yourself, I can't raise my hand. I can't say that I've been disappointed in God. I can't. It, it just doesn't compute. It, it, I, I'm not allowed to be disappointed in God. I'm not allowed to have that, those kinds of feelings. I mean, he's God, and, and therefore I, I shouldn't be disappointed in him. I think that disappointment is, is really just surprisingly unmet expectations. That disappointment is surprisingly unmet expectations. When somebody comes through time and again, when somebody does what they're supposed to time and time again, and they, 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 they measure up, and they go beyond, and they, they exceed your expectations, you start to count on that. You start to believe that that's the way things are going to happen. That's the way things go. And then when they fail to, to come through, when they, when they fail to measure up, when they fail to, to meet your expectations... It's kind of a surprise. It's kind of a shock. And really, it's, it's, that's when it's disappointing. I mean, we like it when people meet our expectations, and we're disappointed when they don't. That's on us, by the way. It's not on them. When they don't meet our expectations, we are disappointed. My little guy gets really good grades, okay? I mean, really good grades, straight A's. I told you that before. This week, I go online to the GradeLink website, to check his grades because I'm obsessed. <coughs> it's not good. Not healthy. 
So I, I, uh, I go online to check his grades, as I do every week. And um, I go there, and oh, I'm looking through the grades. A, 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 plus, A plus, A, 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 A. Oh, just straight A's, except for a B. I'm fine with B's. If he gets a B, as long as he does his best, I'm fine with it. Okay? But I'm like, his grade yesterday was an A minus, and today it's a B. What happened? So I opened up the little tab to the assignments, and at the bottom, it says classwork F. Now, the overprotective parent in me says, what's wrong with the teacher? <laughs> the realist, it's not the teacher's fault. The realist in me says, what did he do now? And I was like, that is so odd. I was disappointed. I felt this twinge of disappointment. He, he, all A's and an F? This is not possible. This just doesn't happen. My little guy does not get F's. He just doesn't. 10% F. 10% F. What does he, what's he do? The, the good side of the story is I went back later, and apparently it was a clerical error. It was 100%. He got an A. Grades back to an A. So... My three hours of panic were for nothing. Um, but that twinge of disappointment I felt is because he always gets A's. Always. It's what he does. He hates school, by the way. He, he hates it. He hates going to school. We send him to private school. I'm like, they give us like a really big scholarship to send him there. And uh, we, we still pay for it, but we don't pay as much as everyone else because God is good. Um, so he goes to school, and he hates it. It's like, son, we, we, we spend way too much money to send you to school for you to hate school this much. And so I'm, a, I'm certain that he gets straight A's just to spite him, his teachers. You know, it's like, fine, if you're going to make me go, I may as well do well. I, I don't know. That's just my theory. Um, but that disappointment that we feel when somebody doesn't meet up to our expectations, I believe is a disappointment that we can feel in God sometimes. That that God, we have expectations of God, right? Am I the only one that has expectations of God? That's why we pray. That's why we believe. That's why we trust. That's why we have faith. Because we have expectations in God. That God never fails. I heard a really good sermon about that this week, by the way. I'll share it in a future sermon. But God never fails. And and. and, and when God doesn't meet our expectations, again, it's on us, not on him. When he doesn't meet our expectations, we feel a twinge of disappointment. He's come through time and again before. He's done these things for us. He's provided for us. He's healed us. He's comforted us. He's protected us. And then something happens. Something happens and, and we feel disappointment. Because God didn't answer a prayer the way we thought he would. You were, you were young and you prayed, God, please don't let my parents get divorced. And they got divorced. And you felt like it was your fault. You, I prayed. And they still got divorced. And that hurt and that disappointment is there. <coughs> or you prayed, God, we want to have a baby. God, we want to have a baby. And there was a miscarriage. Or you found out that you couldn't get pregnant. And then it's like, well, God, we, we prayed. What, what happened? And you feel that twinge of disappointment. 
Or God, God, I pray that, that they wouldn't die, that this loved one of mine wouldn't pass away, that, that uh, this child or this, this friend, this, this young person, I pray that they wouldn't die, or I pray that you would protect them, and they died anyway. And you feel this disappointment inside of you that, that like God didn't come through or something. And you feel that disappointment. What do we do with that? What do we do with our disappointments in God? And I think if we're honest with ourselves and if we're honest with God, we will tell him, I feel that sometimes. I do. So what do we do when we feel disappointment with God? We take it to him. And the reason I believe that is because of today's miracle. We've been looking at different miracles of Jesus in the book of John on Sunday mornings. Uh, we, it's a series we're calling The Power of God in Your Life, that God brings, that Jesus brought the power of God into ordinary people's lives by performing seven miracles in John's gospel. He did it for a very specific purpose, and that was so that we might believe that we would have life in his name, that we would, by believing in Jesus and putting our faith and trust in him, confessing our, repenting from sin, confessing our faith and being baptized, that we would be saved, we would come to the saving grace, uh, this free gift of God's love that he gives to us, and we respond in that way, and God forgives our sins, washes us clean, and fills us with the Holy Spirit. Yet there are still times when we do feel that disappointment. And in today's miracle, there were two sisters who were very disappointed in Jesus. If you've got your Bible, turn to John chapter 11. It's, I believe it's on page 761 of the Bible in the pew, or <laughs> in the chair in front of you. Uh, what do you think? Are they comfortable? Is anybody falling asleep yet? I, 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 made, a, I made a comment to somebody, I'm going to have to get a pulpit now. I've got to have something to like bang my fist on to wake you up. Chairs are too comfortable. We spared no expense. Um, Jurassic Park reference. Um, in John chapter 11, we read the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Jesus had very good friends. Their names were Lazarus, and his sisters were Mary and Martha. And Lazarus, Mar Mary, and Martha were very good friends of Jesus. Now, at the beginning of chapter 11, we find out that Lazarus is really sick. He's going to die. And so the sisters, Mary and Martha, send for Jesus. They believed in Jesus. They believed that he could heal their brother. So they send for Jesus. And Jesus does something surprising. He doesn't come. He doesn't come. Look at cha chapter 11. In verse 3, <coughs> it says, The sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. But he's dying. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that, the God's, so that God's son may be glorified through it. And Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he says to the disciples, we're going to go to Judea. Now, the last time they were in Judea, the uh, chief priests and teachers of the law tried to kill him. And so he's like, we're going to go back to Judea. And the disciples are incredulous. They're like, what do you mean we're going to go back to Judea? They tried to kill you last time. I believe it was Thomas who makes this uh, interesting statement. Uh, he says, uh, 
In verse 16, Thomas, called Didymus, the twin, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. He's very, he's very, he's, okay, let's go die. So Thomas is frustrated. But you've got Jesus who says, we're going to go back to Judea, where Bethany, uh, where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived. They're going to go to Bethany. It's a town outside of Jerusalem. And so they go to Bethany. And sometime in the two days that he tarries, and in the time it takes to get from where they are to Bethany, Lazarus dies. And he's buried in a cave, and they roll a stone in front of it. They, they embalm his body with spices. They wrap him in linens, uh, and then they place him in a tomb, in a cave. They roll a stone in front of it. In those days, you would, that's where they buried people, was in a cave. Um, their bodies would, as their bodies decomposed, they would wait one year. And after a year, they would open up the tomb, and they would go and take out the bones and put them in a box, and then they would slide them in a, in a hole in the cave. That's how they did things. And it's a very warm climate. This is after winter, John tells us. So it's getting warmer, and his body, Lazarus's body is decomposing quickly. So they have to bury within 24 hours. So they, they bury Lazarus, and he's been in the grave four days. So some, sometime between the two days that, he's, that Jesus stays where he's at and the and the time he gets to Bethany, Lazarus is dead four days. And it's not just something like, well, maybe he passed out and they thought he was dead. No, he was really dead. So Jesus and his disciples arrive in Bethany. Martha comes out first to greet Jesus. Uh, look at verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you hear what she's saying? What does she sound like? She is disappointed. She is disappointed. We sent for you. We knew that you could heal him. And if you had been here, if you had come when we called you, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That is a question of care. That is a question of concern. That is a question of love. Don't you love us enough to come when we call you? When somebody is sick and goes to the hospital, if I get a call saying so-and-so's in the ER, I, I, for the most part, I will drop what I'm doing and run to the ER to check and see how things are going, to see if they're, what's happening. Or if I find out someone's in, in, uh, going in for surgery, I meet them at the hospital. Many of you have met at the hospital before your surgeries to go and pray. And I, and, and I don't care if it's 5.30 in the morning, I'm there at the hospital to pray with you before you go in for surgery. Or if not, the night before, something like that. Or if I find out that someone is in the hospital, I go to the hospital and visit them. And usually it's right when I find out that they're there. Jesus finds out that his friend Lazarus is sick, and there's something he can do about it. He can heal Lazarus. But he doesn't. He doesn't come right away. And Martha is disappointed in Jesus. She's disappointed in God. She's not the only one, though. Mary comes out. She goes and gets her sister. Verse 28, the teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. Verse 29, when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her notice how quickly she got up and went out they followed her supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there 
when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The exact same words. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha is disappointed. Mary is disappointed. I got a feeling that Lazarus was probably not as disappointed if he was in heaven. He was probably disappointed after. You called me back out here? I was in heaven. That's a whole other sermon. Um, Mary and Martha are disappointed in Jesus. But Jesus isn't done yet. See, Jesus knew this sickness would not end in death. In other words, permanent death. He had a plan. He knew what he was doing. He could see the great big picture. He knew what was going to happen. Look at verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then the verse that every little kid memorizes in Sunday school, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Now, in those days, you would hire professional mourners to come to your funeral and, and mourn for you. And they would mourn for days. Sometimes there are days that I wonder if I'm going to have to do that. Sorry. Um, I apologize for that unfunny joke. Um, but you would hire these professional mourners, and they would come and they would mourn and weep and wail loudly. But it was kind of a show, just to show how much you're missed. And so Jesus, though, when he weeps, the word, the Greek word used there for weeps, Jesus wept, is a word that means that he, it was more private. It, it was more to himself. He wasn't weeping and wailing out loud for everyone to see. He was sobbing quietly to himself. And it makes me realize that Jesus is aware. He is sympathetic. That he loves his people. He loves us. And, and know this, that in your pain, in your hurt, in your heartache, in your physical, emotional, psychological pain, whatever you're going through, Jesus is aware and he mourns with those who mourn. He weeps with those who weep. He cries with those who cry. Your cries do not fall on deaf ears. Jesus mourns with you. He weeps with you as he wept with Mary and Martha and those mourning Lazarus. Pick it up in Verse 36, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he not have opened the, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? A little more disappointment. Verse 38, we'll read this. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. This is the third time that John mentions that he was deeply moved. He wept. He was deeply moved. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have, always, that, that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The 
glory of God is revealed as Jesus calls Lazarus forth from the grave and Lazarus comes walking out of the tomb alive, blood coursing through his veins, brain waves, activity moving. He was alive, his eyes opened. What do you think the first thing he said was? Wouldn't that be fascinating to know? Like, what was the first thing he said? Like, hey, everybody, I don't know, you know, what's going on? Ah, that was a nice nap. I don't know. I don't know what he said. Whatever he did, John doesn't record it. I wish he did. Um, I'm back here? Anyway. um, Jesus raises the man from the dead. He raises Lazarus back from the dead. And I believe that Jesus raises dead men and he raises dead dreams. You see, when we're disappointed, when we have disappointments in our life, it is like our dreams have died. It's like our dreams are dashed against the rocks of reality. And we have disappointment and dead dreams. But Jesus raises dead men and he raises dead dreams. So whatever dreams you've had in your life, whatever dreams that you have said that th- this is what I want to do and this is what I want, maybe something has derailed those dreams Maybe something has dashed those dreams. And it could be, it could be something like uh, physical pain. Maybe you suffer from physical pain all the time and you just hurt all the time. And you've, you've prayed and you've asked God to take away the pain and he just hasn't yet. And you're disappointed because your dreams have been dashed. I was going to do this. I was going to do that. I was going to do this in retirement. I was going to do this with my grandkids. I was going to do this with my children. I was going to do this with my life. And you're disappointed because the physical pain is too much to bear sometimes. Or maybe it's emotional pain. Maybe it's a relationship that fell apart. Maybe it's a relationship that was broken from the beginning. Or maybe you suffer from neglect or rejection or abuse. And, and, and your, your life just, your dreams, your relationship dreams haven't come true. Or they've been dashed. And and you don't know what to do. You feel like God has let you down. You feel like you're you're disappointed in God because your relationship dreams haven't come true. Or maybe it's psychological. Maybe it's a psychiatric pain that you're going through. and, And maybe there's some kind of thing going on in your head that keeps you from being able to uh, function. It could be schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or or depression. And it's so much, and it's so hard to bear, and it's so hard to take. And, it, and it's caused your dreams to be dashed because of mental illness. Whatever those dreams are that have been dashed, I want you to know. God knows. He hears. He answers. He is close. In the book of Psalms, there are some passages I want to read for you. The first and one of my favorite verses in all the scripture is this one, Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Have you ever felt, I know you felt brokenhearted. We've had these t- conversations. Have you ever felt crushed in your spirit? God is close to you. He hears you. He rescues you. Psalm 145, verse 14. The Lord helps the fallen and lifts those bent beneath their loads. That the load of the burden, 
the, the pain, the heartache, whatever is weighing you down, whatever is the burden that is on your shoulders, the Lord helps you. The Lord lifts you even when you are bent beneath the load of pain and heartache. In Psalm 145, 18 and 19, the Lord is close to all those who call on Him. Yes, to all who call on Him in truth. He grants the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cries for help and rescues them. The Lord is close to you. He is not far away. He is not far off. He is not on a cloud somewhere, just biding his time, going, oh, I'll send Jesus back eventually. That's not God. He is close to you. The Bible says in the book of James that if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us. We are not alone, my friends. The Lord hears your cries. And though he may not answer in this lifetime, I cannot promise you that the physical pain that you're in will go away in this lifetime. I cannot promise you that the emotional pain that you're in will go away in this lifetime. I cannot promise you that the psychological pain that you're in will go away in this lifetime. But I know that there is a healing that is coming. It is a healing that is coming when Christ returns. And it is for the glory of God the Father. That if God chooses to heal you in this life, we give glory to Him for that. And when he, when he heals you in the next life, we will give glory to God for that. That God brings healing. God heals our, our pain. God raises dead men. And God raises dead dreams for His glory. And we give Him glory for all that He has done and for all of His promises to come. That, my friends, is the challenge. That as we experience healing in our lives, or even when we don't, when we remember the promises that He has made, we glorify our Father in heaven. We believe in the one He sent. And we honor Him and worship Him alone. Our Heavenly Father, I thank You that You do promise healing for us. And while it may not be healing in this life, there is healing to come for sure. And I am certain that you will heal us. For all of our diseases, all of our infirmities, all of our pain, all of our struggles, all of our heartache will be wiped away. Every tear, the Bible says, will be wiped away by your son Jesus when he returns. So I pray today that you would help us in our pain and help us in our disappointments. God, we love you, and we know that you love us, and we thank you for that. So be with us now as we go about our week. Keep us free from pain as far as possible, and fill us with your Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray.